I don't know about having a plan. How about we just follow God's? That work? You guys feeling good? Yeah, that was fun. Um, I think that's kind of the uh, what happens after you end a 21-day fast. So those of you who are maybe new today or not been with us a few weeks, uh, today was uh, our 21st day. Today we break the fast, and uh, we were doing 21 days of fasting and consecration as a church. Uh, so, so anyway, I fully believe that was not the reward of a fast. That was what we reaped from the seeds we sowed in a fast or had been sown in a fast, however you say that. So I believe that was part of the harvest. So kind of shows you the fruit in fasting, consecration, setting yourself apart for some time with the Lord. There's a sensitivity there. There's a vulnerability. There's a humility in that. And uh, I'll be honest, one of the best messages I've ever heard preached on fasting, if you weren't here last week, was Corey uh, last week on fasting. So catch that. Nicole, the week before that, uh, she was supposed to talk on dreaming and vision for the year and, uh, and different things. She spoke on consecration instead. So, uh, so I, I was going to speak on dreaming today, and we're going um, to speak on cursing instead. Okay? Not cursing, cussing, curses. But we're really going to focus on blessing. Is that cool? It's been a fun week. Uh, started the week really honoring and celebrating Martin Luther King Jr., um, last week, we didn't announce it, but the week before, we were able to give uh, every staff member in Tip City Schools a coffee pass to the coffee shop we own downtown Tip called Grounds for Pleasure. Um, and it gives every staff member a free coffee once a month for the entire year, including bus drivers, custodians, secretaries, everybody. So um, our partnership and, and with Tiana and just their generosity at the coffee shop. And those of you who don't know, um, Upper Room has a nonprofit called Grounds for Pleasure Coffee in Tip City. So uh, really fun stuff. Uh, just a couple business things that's kind of weird, especially going from that. But um, I'm pretty proud. Um, today you're going to be starting to get your contribution letters. And in that is a letter from our church in Mexico. Um, if you don't know, we have a church in Mexico called Renovacion de Vida, and it's called the, basically it means life, like the giving of life church, correct? Renovation of life, renovation of life church. Uh, so we, we consider that an extension of us, uh, a partner, a family. It's not just something we support. So there's a letter in your contribution letter. So if you gave this year to Upper Room, uh, you'll receive that letter. Just thanking us uh, without us, their church, they're saying isn't possible. So uh, just really cool. And we gave $70,000 out last year in missions and outreach. So we make sure at a minimum... Uh, we give 10% of our income out and with a goal of 20%. So uh, your guys' generosity, trust, stewardship with the Lord has uh, embodied upper room to be a part of both locally, nationally, and internationally supporting missions and bringing the gospel and good news and hope and need and food and just different things, various things, leading people to Christ and most of all, his love, his goodness, and his salvation. So anyway, fun stuff. That's all in the letter. Um, we've got some exciting things happening this year. We're in a, we're in a design phase of a building project. Uh, I know with sickness, we've been, uh, this isn't, it's a little more crowded to, than today. So get comfortable. You have a little extra room today more than normal. Um, but we're going to expand the sanctuary and we're, we're hoping to have the funds and we'll be in, lightly introducing slowly a, a building campaign. Man, how good would it be like in the days of rebuilding the tabernacle? We have more than enough to totally fund it with cash. So that would be amazing. So uh, we're lightly starting to introduce that, but uh, we'd love to, it's called um, the Legacy Campaign, Building for the Next Generation. 
And we not only want to expand the sanctuary for the immediate need and the parking lot for the immediate need, we want to build a youth facility. Uh, we want to build a space for the youth to be able to have their own and uh, play some basketball, have some dance parties, bring friends to meet Jesus. So um, just some fun things. That's all the business. Uh, let's get right into this thing. Go to, with me to Genesis 25. Friday, I decided to change, like I felt like the Lord saying, no, you're doing something. Thursday night. So, had a full message like four weeks ago. I was like on the easy button the last couple weeks not speaking. Had my message done for three weeks. I was like, oh, this is going to be great, you know. And uh, Thursday night, I was driving my daughter home from volleyball. And we caught the tail end of this message from Genesis. And that same week, um, Nicole had asked me about the story of uh, Jacob and Esau and how weird that story is and why it went down like that. And uh, if, you, if you don't know the story, we're going to read it today, but I encourage you to go even deeper. And uh, so it intrigued me. And after I heard this snippet of a message driving home and uh, after Nicole's question, I was like, yeah, I'm going to press into this. So through the weekend... There's a lot of new people here. Um, love to just share why I cry all the time. Because <laughs> I know there's probably some firefighters watching online right now, so I'm just going to make things straight right now. Uh, first off, I come from a lineage, and my grandfather was a very sensitive, spiritual man who cried often. Um, I got a hard heart, became an atheist, and uh, after years, multiple years, four or five years of not crying, not feeling emotion, only hatred. I, I, in my marriage, Nicole and I were facing divorce at three years in, and I had contacted an attorney and everything. I was like, Lord, if you're real, prove it. I want to feel something. I want to I wanna cry. That's what I prayed. I want to cry. That's a weird prayer. <laughs> so now anytime I feel his presence come on, I just weep. So take that. <laughs> we'll do the Saturday morning flex. So anyway, um, my, my encounter with Jesus for the first time ever came with weeping and came with crying, like on and off for two weeks, four hours straight the first time. And um, I'm like, wow, I feel emotion. I feel joy. I feel hope. I feel sadness. I feel goodness. This was the first time I'd been numb and just been around a lot of death and different things for four or five years. And um, just a pretty rough dude. Love to fight. Can you believe that? I love to fight. I love to fist fight. I don't think I ever lost. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> when I was 17, my brother came home from the military, and uh, we were helping my mom and dad move houses. Is it okay if I just share a funny story real quick? So my brother always picked on me. Matt, uh, I just want to make this very clear. He's around seven years older than me. I, I want to repeat that. He's around seven years, almost eight years older than me, okay? So actually, I shouldn't probably say that much because some people think he's younger than me. What's that say about me? Like, yeah, flex on that. So at any rate, he's poking at me and just like literally like, like a coyote nipping at my, my hind quarters and just irritating me. And like, I, like Bobby Boucher came out. 
I was like, <laughs> and uh, I tackled him in the front yard, and I'm, draw, I'm knees on shoulders ready. Like, and I think his eyes, uh, it was maybe just shortly after, after military. I think it was like a year or two after. But anyway, his eyes are like this, and I, I, didn't ha- I had too much compassion within me as I was created not to hit him. But man, did I want to punch him in the face so hard. And uh, my dad, I think, was witnessing that. And I think Matt's like, wow. Aaron's changed. He's a, he's a different, strong person now. So anyway, uh, I lost a lot of fights before that to him. Made me tough. Thanks, Matt. We were at the cabin this week. I'm going to get in this message. I'm going to get in this message, all right? And it's, I, I, I had like a 45-minute message. I think I can tail it down with a fun story here or two down to 35, all right? But it doesn't matter. It'll be good. So anyway, uh, we're at the cabin this week. Uh, he, he's blessed to have a cabin and some property uh, in, in southern Ohio. And he and Amy are just very generous. So he's like, hey, man, you want to go for a night? I was like, all right. We had to cancel because of some sickness a few weeks ago. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go. When we woke up in the morning, it was 40 degrees in the cabin with the fire going. And I could see my breath. Like, and I'm just going to be honest. We have a deer in the freezer already. So I'm like, yeah, you, you just go out and hunt. I'll, I'll keep the fire going. I'll cook breakfast. And I did. I did. It was a good breakfast. Eggs and bacon. So anyway, um, I was like, we were talking about bringing his son, Judah, and his friend. And I was like, yeah, I I don't know if they're country enough to be able to survive last night. You know, we we know we had Under Armour, like, uh, inner layer on. We we were, like, ready for this, right? And uh, so it was fun. I was like, "But, but because of Matt picking on me all those years, I toughened up to be able to, to have the manhood to handle a 40-degree night's sleep in a cabin. So thank you, Matt. So thank you for making me tough and not getting beat up all the time. But at any rate, um, that has nothing to do with any of the message. I don't even know how I got there. I was crying. And I'm just trying to, because of pride, probably prove myself to you. I was supposed to lose that pride during this 21 days. Maybe I should go another 21 days. Anyway, Genesis 25. Let's go here. I want to talk about the birthright and the blessing, all right? The birthright and the blessing. And uh, I'm going to read a ton of scripture in Genesis 25 and then all of 27, part of 28. But we will get to the point. We will seal the deal. You will be blessed, and uh, you will receive a blessing today. Everybody say, there's a blessing in the house. There's a blessing here for me today. Say that. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel of Armenian from Paddan Aram and the sister of Laban, an Armenian. That was pretty good. Usually terrible at that stuff. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two. Oh, I already read that. And when the time came to give birth, verse 24. Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. That's a little odd. I'm just not, I'm just gonna be honest. Like, you guys need to get in your Bible. If you're not in your Bible, you're, you're missing out on stuff like this. Just wait, it's coming. 
Like, like chariots of fire, people being taken up in a whirlwind of fire, uh, seas literally spit, splitting. I mean, people walking through walls, teleporting places. Like, th- this stuff's not boring. I, we need to be in our word. It's, it's amazing. The first one was very red at birth and covered with hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was six years old when the twins were born now here we go as the boys grew up Esau became a skillful hunter he was an outdoorsman but Jacob had quite a temperament preferring to stay home watch YouTube videos and play video games and YouTube as my kids would call it Jacob was more the iPad kid it's not really in there if you're not tracking okay that was Aaron's adding. So Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. I find this interesting. They both had a favorite. I felt like that was kind of divided. Like, how can you do that? So let's read on. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau, my dad said, come on, does that mean I'm the favorite? <laughs> we all know that Leah's your favorite girl. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Edom was actually became a tribe and a land that was a rival and was an arch enemy uh, of, of Jacob. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Now, this wasn't all that uncommon. Actually, a a brother could sell his birthright, and uh, I want to kind of talk about what a birthright is in a moment, but he could sell that. So it was part of custom, but you lost a lot. So, So here's what happens. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. So Jacob's capitalizing. Esau's very hungry, he's starving. He's like, yeah, I'll give you some soup, your favorite soup, this this good red stew. Give me your birthright. What is good in my birthright to me now? He's basically gonna die. But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed content for his rights as the firstborn. Now I wanna, I wanna before we move on, a birthright is the headship of the family. It's also a double portion of the inheritance when the parents would pass away. And, and it's amazing that through an oath, it's something he gave he could never get back. Isn't that amazing? We're going to see it here in a minute about the blessing too, how important the word is, the spoken word. If, if the, the days of old would be the same today, a contract would just be a word, an oath, a, a, you know, a handshake, even not even like that sealed. It, it goes to show you how powerful the spoken word is, both in blessing and curse, The Bible says, although a small member of your mouth, your tongue can create a forest fire, that there are life and death in the power of our words, right? So when we're speaking things, we speak life. And it's the power of the curse, but also the power of the life, the blessing. So just through saying an oath to the birthright, it's now Jacob's. And And it's crazy. So when you sell or sell out your birthright, you lose your blessing. I think at times we're presented with these opportunities, we're presented with these things, and you know, we see it in business, we see it people who win the lottery, we see it in all these things, like they have a favor on their life, and then all of a sudden something happens, and they sell out, and they've given up their blessing. They've sold their birthright. Let, let, me, let me carry on here. But at times, we have to be careful, because sometimes if we steal a blessing, we also lose our birthright. 
You're gonna find out later here when Jacob got the blessing, he actually left and never returned. So the double inheritance and the birthright meant as significantly less because he never returned for it because he stole the blessing. Let's, let's move on to that. I wanna first say, what's a blessing? We're gonna to go to uh, chapter 27. A blessing. <laughs> we've heard so many songs and we've lightened blessings so much to bless the food and, and these blessings. Oh, I'm so blessed. And, and the meaning behind that is so insignificant compared to the blessing that God's talking about. A true blessing is a covering. A true blessing is a future in the means and process and every bit of time to get there. A true blessing is not just material things. A blessing are aspirations and the spiritual inheritance. We, we've, we've sometimes dumbed down blessing to a car or a house or the amount of money or a position at, at a job, say, well, I'm blessed, I got that promotion. I'm blessed, I got that deal. I'm blessed, I got this. I'm blessed, I got this car. That means nothing. And any spirit, mature spiritual Christian would tell you that that means nothing compared to the inheritance of the, the, inheritance of the kingdom. I'd much rather have the blessing of every one of my kids here serving God than the blessing of a new car, house, job, or inheritance. Let, let me, yeah, that's right. He loves it. Blessing's the future and the process and the means to get there. Genesis 27. Is it cool if we read a lot of scripture and read on here? One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, my son. Let me, let me just tell you, one of the reasons here we read scriptures, first off, this is the infallible word of God. It's the absolute truth. It's not relative to a time that we're in. <laughs> okay, that's the one thing. It, this is God. This is the word of life. The other thing is there are so many people here that we are the first experience of church for them. So, so I just want to be clear to you mature Christians, like sometimes we're going back to be so basic so that we can actually catch others up because this is a generational church of believers and age, okay? So, so I know sometimes you're like, well, I know this story. Why are you reading every verse? Because we need it, and sometimes the Lord reaches us in a different way no matter how mature we are. Yes, Father, Esau replied. I am old now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when... So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare a delicious meal for me. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks, bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. This is crazy. The mother is scheming with the, her favorite son to steal a blessing that rightfully belongs to Esau because Isaac doesn't know that Jacob had said, sold, had got the birthright. But look, what, what would it have looked like if they actually just told their parents that that happened? What would it have looked like? I, I don't know. I, I start to play these things out in my head. I'm like, okay, God still uses this. It's just crazy to me what the Lord uses as a story. I think for me, that's me. Me still in process. Me coming from where I was just 15 years ago. How he uses that, it's crazy. 
I wanted to hate everybody for the rest of my life. Now he's like, no, you're going to love everybody for the rest of your life. Ah, man. Look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man in my skin. He doesn't once question what he's about to do with his mom. He's questioning, well, how's my dad not going to know it's me because he's hairy and I'm not? I would hope if I'm positioning one of my kids against Nicole, they're going to say, Dad, that's wrong. I, I don't have all the answers to this story today, just to be honest. I don't know. It's just weird to me. It's, it's crazy what the Lord uses. Uh, I know I could press in. I know there's tons of like versions of this. But for me, as I read, I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy stuff, isn't it? I mean, the Lord, what he does, it's, I love it. It gives me hope. Gives me hope for the most peculiar, down and out situations and people that there's hope in that. Man, you, you, every one of us have a story. God uses it. Man, I gotta move on here. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of bless me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. If you think about it, though, the love of the mother. Like, I know it's weird. It's awkward. Like, it's a little messed up. But the love of the mom for Jacob, who she probably knew was the rightful one to carry this type of an inheritance. Willing to take the curse. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were in the house, meaning... He and his wives actually lived in the same home with them. They were like 40 years old when this happened. She covered his arms and the smooth parts of his neck with the skin of a young goat's. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said, yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you've told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat so you can give me... The blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, put it in my path, Jacob replied. He's lying. And Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure you're really our Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. Isaac said, but, but he, he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy just as Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son, Esau, he asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me, let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced that he blessed his son. He said, ah, oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. That's kind of funny in itself. Like, oh, my son stinks. I know it's Esau. He smells like blood and wild game and uh, the outside and the wilderness. From the dew, here's the blessing. And we're going to come back to this. But from the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. 
May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you and who curse you will be cursed and who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal, brought it to his father and he said, sit up my father and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. The power of the word. I already gave it, it must stand. And now Esau, now Jacob, like, like, please, dad, give me your affirmation, give me your blessing, give me your acknowledgement. Now Esau begins to beg. When Esau heard his father's word, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau explained, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. For he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Just give me the scraps. Give me something, Lord. He's saying, Isaac, you know, give me, tell me you're proud of something. Give me some blessing. Give me some covering. Give me some anointing. Give me some spiritual authority. Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I had guaranteed him an abundance of grain, wine what is left for me to give you, my son. Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father, within the ability of the contract he just made with Jacob, did the only blessing he could possibly give within his parameters. And he says, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. You're gonna be enemies, but you'll be free. You'll be able to do it and you'll break free with the yoke. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay there with them until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. She's basically saying now she's creating a plot so that Isaac now blesses him to go. So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, you must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Paden Aram, to the house of your grandfather Bethuel, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. Wow, that was a lot. Now, here's the deal. There's a divided home. He's 40 years old. He's begging, you know, pleading 
for Esau's begging and pleading for the blessing that he just gave Jacob. Now, I wanna go back to, to verse 28 and 29 because here's a few things that came from that blessing. And I wanna make sure we don't miss something before we move on because here's what I believe. I believe that there's so many, it's crazy, Corey was mentioning like my entire message in his prayer in, in, that, in that time of ministry. It's talking about word curses and generational curses because the message today is called Curses to the Blessing. Because there's so many curses going around, we're gonna get there. But, but here's the blessing that came. Verses 28 and 29. There were several things here, all right? Let me get back there. In verse 28. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. So, I, so the first one is prosperity and provision. He's giving him the blessing of heaven's economy. He's giving him the blessing of heaven's resources, of, of Eden, all the resources are yours. The provision is there, right? Prosperity is there. The next part, it says, may you be the master. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. The second thing he gave was political supremacy and authority. He gave him the authority over nations, over his brothers. He gave him political supremacy and authority. And then the third thing he gave him, he says, and all who curse you will be cursed. That's protection, cursing all the enemies. Anybody that comes against you will be cursed. That's protection. And then the last thing he says, anybody who blesses you will become blessed. That's favor. So let me go through them again. The first one was prosperity and provision, supremacy and authority, and then it was protection, and the last thing's favor. Imagine that, like anybody who's gonna be your friend and do you right, I'm gonna do them right. How many would wanna be friends with that guy? So now you have the favor of the people, not just the people that curse you and come against you, like God's gonna deal with them, but then he's gonna bless the ones that are actually in your court. So, so here's the deal. I believe we're in this season and I wanted to speak on dreaming, I just didn't think we were quite there yet. I, I, I believe, like for me, let me just share my personal story here for just a moment. So I get so freaking excited going into a new year. Like, I, I, I'm like a little kid going to school for the first day, every year. I'm the guy that no matter when I go out hunting, it is going to be the day of the biggest thing that I'm hunting. It, when I go out fishing, it is the biggest fish. This is gonna happen. When I, when I whatever that is, right, that's me. I'm like, optimism times 172 times. Like, me, boom, it's gonna happen. I come into the new year, this is gonna be the greatest year ever. This is gonna be the greatest year that's ever existed on planet Earth, and this is gonna be amazing. I can't wait to see what God does. Day seven, I get hit with some flu or some sickness, and I was down for a week. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I was totally, de day four or five, it was Wednesday after New Year's. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Brittany stands up here last week. She's like, I don't know if you feel like this. I was like, yes, I feel that. And I used the word, I felt like I got derailed, right? And so then I'm like, I can't even dream because sometimes when I'm struggling in the present or I'm struggling from the history or the past, I can't see into the future. I don't know if anybody else is like that. I wasn't trying to get all informal on you. I had a button undone. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I had this issue, this problem, right? And I'm like, so frustrating. Especially like as a leader, I was like, man, I got the vision for the future. It's going to be amazing. And it has happened in 20 and 2021. I was like, this is the year, right? First week out, we, we preach on transition and 2020 was hard. 2020 was the transition year. 2022 is here, right? And then all of a sudden, this person's sick, that person's sick, this death happened, this happened, this, this setback, this person lost their job. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Part of me was like, should we ever fast again? Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, this is dumb. 
And I'm not saying greater devils, greater levels kind of stuff. I'm like, this is just dumb. But I felt like this. As I, as I began to press into this message, I believe like there's so many people walking around in curses and walking around in things they can't see the future. It's not even time to dream yet because we've got to remove the curses to get into the blessing so that we can dream. Let, let me tell you kind of what that means. I believe there's a change of season. Exodus 20 34 7, Numbers 14, and even Deuteronomy 5 talks about generational curses. All right, then we get into word curses. We get into the word curses that have been put on us by anybody, including ourselves. Well, I don't, I'm never going to be able to go to college. My grades aren't good in high school. Then you struggle in college. Why? Because you word cursed yourself, or you didn't go, or whatever. I didn't like school. I'm not going to mount anything. Maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a parent, maybe somebody hurt you, maybe somebody abused you. There's all these curses, these lies that all of a sudden grow root in our heart and then they begin to reap the harvest of whatever that lie or that curse or whatever that issue is. So we're not walking in the blessing, we're actually walking in the curse and it's haunting us. Then we have circumstantial curses and just different things, right? I'm not trying to get all weird on you and I'm not trying to say like we can't break through, like the darkness is more powerful. No, the light is more powerful. His love is more powerful. His spirit is more powerful. And let me just tell you today, his blessing is more powerful than any curse that's ever attached to you. Deuteronomy 23.5 says this. I just believe we're walking out. I, like I went to dinner last night, the Rose and Wassons, we all went to dinner. And Lydia ordered carrot cake before her meal. Her and Josh shared carrot cake. I was like, that's amazing. Dessert before dinner. We're breaking all the rules tonight. And I get in here, and Nicole did an altar call in ministry time before the preaching. And I was like, that's dessert before the dinner. This is amazing. I don't even have to worry about what I'm going to do when I close. The very end, closing, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm like, done. Let me get back. Deuteronomy 23, 5. I'm wrapping up here. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. He turned the curse into a blessing. And even if you go to Exodus 34, 7, he says, for generations you'll be cursed. But then it says, for generations you'll be blessed. It says, you'll pay for the consequences of the sin of your fathers and mothers. But then it says, but if there's blessing, you're going to reap the benefit of those blessings from generation to generation. So then we get into to this Galatians 3, 13, 14. And Paul writes it like this. Christ redeem us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Let me just tell you this. There is something special about a tree. And it's crazy because in the garden, they ate from the tree of life and it led to death. But on the tree, Jesus hung and it led to life. He died on a tree and it led to life. So, so here we have this tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So I get to now, knowing that I am Christ's redeemed, walk in the promises, the blessing of Abraham. Not the curse of this or that or this mom or dad or grandpa or grandma. No, I get to walk in the blessing because my blessing is literally because I was born again. That is my birthright and Jesus is my birthright and that is my blessing because I walk as a son redeemed in Abraham's promises. Think about it. Matthew 1 talks about the lineage of Jesus. I always thought that was really weird to start the New Testament and start the first gospel with that. I'm like, that's just a lot. Why? And then it's intrigued me over the last couple years because then I start thinking these things. 
Ruth and Naomi and that no building a yes that led to Boaz, that led to David, who was the lineage of Jesus. If that submission, obedience, and loyalty wasn't there, Jesus wouldn't have come through that birth line. He would have come, but you see what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing. So you go from, from I, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, skip a few. You got Joseph, Jesus, then you. You like how I did that, didn't you? It wasn't even planned. We are born again. Our birthright then changes, and our blessing therefore changes, and we don't have to walk in this curse. It's simply we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And my promise and my blessing is now Him. Galatians 4 says it like this, goes just a little deeper than that. See, see, these boys were fighting over a birthright, then they were fighting over a blessing. Now that we're born again through Christ redeeming us and Christ coming and dying on that tree for us, now suddenly we get the birthright and the blessing. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Here's what I think was happening a little bit. The boys were fighting for the affirmation, not just the blessing. They were fighting for the affirmation of a father. They were fighting for acceptance. They were fighting not just to be loved by dad or mom, but both. We have a generation of people that need a blessing. We have a generation, and I'm not talking about the millennials or, or, or below. I'm talking about everybody in this room. We need a blessing. There's been a curse called fatherlessness, and even dads, they may have been there but not present. We have a generation that's so confused, they don't know who they are and whose they are. I'm just here to say they, they would most likely succeed if they identify as a Christ follower or a son or daughter of the most living king. There's so much sexual confusion and all these confusions. Why? Because they've not had the blessing. They've not had the affirmation. They've not had the unity of a family. I know there's a whole lot of other things with statistics. 70% of young people growing up right now don't have a unified home and don't have a dad. We wonder why prisons are full. We wonder why we're having this sexual confusion and these people identifying or this or that. It's because they don't know Jesus and they've not had this, 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 this system and this, this love. Here you have Jacob and Esau fighting over something from birth and then they get favorites, right? I, I can't help but to think that there's some root and some things to this that, man, what it would have looked like if they both were blessed in certain ways. I don't know. I go back to Abraham with Isaac and Ishmael, right? And what would have happened if, if they were just patient and waited on the Lord? Ishmael was the seed in the, in the root of, of, of Islam. What would have happened? I, I can't help but read some of this and ask the Lord some of these questions. And sometimes there are mysteries I'll never understand. But man, I love asking him and processing and going deeper. A generation who needs identity of sons and daughters. A generation who needs to know who they are and whose they are. A generation who needs to know their significant. A generation who needs to know their purpose. A generation who needs to know their meaning. We have a people that need a blessing. I'm telling you, millennials and others and you have been word cursed all these times. We, my wife and I, we are fighting for this next generation to get, walk in the blessing rather than the word curse of their work ethic or their loyalty or their what whatever 
And the reason they're walking around like that is because they had parents from a generation that never got it. Our issue is not a political issue. Our issue is not a pandemic issue. Our issue is a godless, fatherless, messed up culture. I'm trying not to get political here. This is about a blessing. Let let me move on here. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Let me just say that. Like, we're confused on identifies this and that, and we're confused. It's confusion. God did not make a mistake the way that he created you. He did not make a mistake of who he created you to be, what he created you to be, and when he created you to be for. He did not make a mistake. God does not make mistakes. Let's just be very clear on that. In his creation, he does not make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. He didn't, you weren't an accident. You weren't a mistake. You were thought of at the foundations of the world. The Father and Son and Holy Spirit threw a party and said, let us make man in our own image. And all of a sudden, boom, from the creation of time, you were a thought, you were a seed, and you were already put as in a destiny in this world, on this planet, for such a time as this. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident, and you are not trash. And you're not to be walking around cursed. (laughs) You're to be walking around blessed, highly favored, a royal priesthood, a prince and a princess. That's your blessing. Your blessing is the inheritance of heaven. Your blessing says, and Romans 8 puts it like this, like Galatians 4, it talks about being adopted by the spirit of adoption. We're an heir to the throne with co-heirs with Jesus. We are royalty. We're not meant to be walking around full of shame and sin. We're walking, we're walking around in the light and the love and the freedom of Jesus and bringing others along with us. Man, I want people to say, I want the Jesus that guy has. I want to be that crazy. I want to be that happy. (laughs) So generation needs to be loved. Let Let me just share two stories here really briefly. When you train bank tellers, at least in the past, and the studies I've, sh- I've, I've read, when you train bank tellers, you train them on real currency. You actually never introduce fake or made up or reprinted currency. And, 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 and bill after bill after bill after bill after bill after bill, they're looking and they're going through. The thing is that if you show somebody who the real thing is and you show somebody who, you, who it's what it's supposed to be, they won't ever go look and they'll know the fake when it comes. Let me reword that. My daughters, we tell them how beautiful they are, how amazing they are, and their worth, and as daughters of Christ, so that way when a fake thing comes and a lie comes, they're gonna know not to believe it when that guy says this, or that person, or that friend accuses them of this. God has said who you are, but suddenly through our life, we start to believe these curses, and these naysayers, and these lies, and all of a sudden, that grows root and seed in our heart, and we can't walk in the blessing of who God called us to be because we're believing the counterfeit. God never created you to believe a counterfeit or a lie or be a counterfeit or a lie or to sell out your birthright. You were born for such a time as this to be sons and daughters of the Most High King. We have a generation that needs a blessing. We need a generation. We have a generation that needs a future and to believe that future is bright. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says who? Declares the Lord Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a what? A future. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. A future is a blessing. Sometimes when things look bad, I can't see the future. As of today, your future's right, and it's blessed. Let me finish with this one thing. The prayer of Jabez, I I was listening, that, that same sermon mentioned, sold 20 million copies. 
because people want a blessing. They want favor. And what's crazy is I was, I was pressing into this and learning in, in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez's name means pain. He was born in pain. So here's Jabez's prayer. Called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm and so that it might not bring me pain. <laughs> Take me out of my birthright of pain, of my namesake pain and bless me and enlarge my border and keep me and give me a future and a blessing. Let me remove this curse and walk in the blessing because as Deuteronomy says, I'm loved. And God granted what he asked. I, wanna, I want you to stand with me. Man can come if you want. Piano, I don't know, whatever. I'm gonna decree and declare something over you today. I'm gonna paraphrase. So here's the deal. A couple of weeks ago, we got hooked on this thing. I think it was from the altar or something. Or no, New Year's Eve, like prayer night, right? And uh, it was like, went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me, right? And I, I love that. And, and it's like, there's so much authority that we have in the Bible over these curses, over the enemy, over the lies. I mean, literally, he gives us the right to rebuke the devour of the enemy, those who are obedient to the Lord have the right, the legal right, to rebuke the enemy's devour. That's scripture. It's amazing the authority we get to walk in and the blessing we get to walk in when all of a sudden we realize who we are and whose we are and the authority we get to walk in, even including we get to crush Satan under our feet. Quote scripture. We get to crush Satan under our feet. Sometimes we just need, I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you're at your desk at work. I don't care if you're walking down that, that hospital hallway, Braden. You get to do a little dance and crush that Satan because he's an idiot. And he's a liar and his curses are lies and he's dumb. And I will use all the child curse words I can right now to define the devil. He's stupid. <laughs> if I was at the fire department, I might be able to say some others. No, I'm just kidding. Of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Anyway, I follow. I do follow this Instagram. Christians that cuss a little bit. <laughs> Let me get back on track. That was we were getting pretty spiritual there. We we can't derail that all the way. Deuteronomy twenty eight talks about a blessing. Israel has so much blessing. We, God's people, have so much blessing, right? We're the royal priesthood. We're the chosen people. We're we're His generation of people to walk this earth right now. Deuteronomy 28 mentions things like that he'll establish and keep us, that he'll bring us prosperity, that, that we'll have all the grain, right, the harvest, that there'll be open heavens of bounty. That's one of the phrases in there, open heavens of bounty. It talks about being blessed in the city and the country. It talks about being blessed in your coming and your going. It talks about all these blessings and that we would be the lender, not the borrower. We would be the head and not the tail, right? There is so much goodness in Deuteronomy 28. Those are just a few of the things I, I pulled out and been praying this at a couple meetings I've been at. I've, I've declared it over every Tip City business and a Chamber of Commerce event. 
I declared it over an entire county at the first county uh, meeting, and I'm declaring it over Upper Room and God's people today in this generation. So, just hold your hands out. This is how we're closing today. If you do need further prayer, there'll be ministry teams after church that will pray with you. If you're like, I didn't want to come up while everybody was watching, you can just come up after church. But we as a, as a corporate gathering are gonna close like this. I wanna declare and decree Deuteronomy 28 over us right now. That there is a blessing here that we get to walk out of here and literally, like I was like, how do we do this? We're gonna do like a tunnel, a prayer tunnel? No, literally, I feel this. As you walk out onto that fresh snow, that there is gonna be something different under your feet, that you're no longer walking in a curse, but as you walk out of here, you're walking straight out of that curse and right into the blessing. And if you're at home watching or if somebody watches later in the week, I believe they're gonna have that same authority when they step up out of that seat or they get up out of that car or whatever the situation is, they're gonna walk straight into the blessing, not a blessing. I'm not talking about money here. I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about the spiritual authority, the inheritance, the future of a blessing. And I believe this, we are declaring decreeing Deuteronomy 28. So Lord, we declare and decree right now Deuteronomy 28 over this people, over me, over my house, over my children and their children, over these children and their children, of generations to come, over this city, over this church, over this region, over this state, over this nation, in Jesus' name. We declare that we will have prosperity, that we will have heaven's economy, that we will have open heavens of bounty, that we will be blessed in the city and the country. We will be the head and not the tail. We will be the lender and not the borrowers. We will be blessed. Lord, we receive the true blessing, the birthright being born again by your spirit and the blessing and the covering of you, Jesus. We thank you. Woo! Amen. Amen. Hey, may you be blessed. Amen. God bless you guys. And I mean that like with depth. God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you be blessed. Amen.